ho, ho, Mary Chartmus. Yes, it is me, Father Chartmus. Have you all been good, they's gays and women this year? Good, well, let's see what I've got in my chart sack for you. Ho, ho, ho. What's this? The darkness? Atomic kitten? Sugar babes? Oh, and what's this right at the bottom of my sack? Let's have a little rustle around. Why, it's another episode of the 2000s Chart Show! Ho, 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 ho! The 2000s Chart Show. The 2000s Chart Show. Thank you very much, Father Chartmus. What a get! You know, we don't often book celebrities on this show, so very exciting to have Father Chartmus. His agent was an absolute nightmare, but good to have him on. This is indeed the 2000s Chart Show, the chart show where every week we are celebrating the music of 20 years ago. And we are talking about one of the most exciting weeks in chart history. The last great battle for Christmas number one. That's right, we have 12 entries fighting it out for Christmas number one this year. Last year's Christmas one, of course, Sound of the Underground by Girls Aloud. And this year, it could be The Darkness, Gary Jules, Atomic Kitten, Sugar Babes, Billy Mac, or a number of other songs that we will get into as we go along. But first, let me set the scene for you. So this is a BBC article from the 17th of November 2003, detailing the Christmas number one contenders and their odds. So top of this list is the, what they're calling the Pop Idol 12. This is all of the finalists from Pop Idol. William Hill are offering you nine to one odds for that to be number one. Bill Nye with Christmas is all around, of course, in the character of Billy Mack, his character from Love Actually. That was 50 to one. The Darkness are, I think, Bookie's favourites here with one to three odds. One of my first jobs in a newspaper was as a TV writer, and we did a lot of odd stories, like, you know, who is likely, who's going to win Strictly, who's going to leave Big Brother, whatever. Never did I, in writing those, fully understand what odds were. Obviously, I know what nine to one is, but when it gets to, like, one to three or, like, 72 to 12, completely lost. This gave us odds for Make Way for Noddy, getting to number one at 50 to one. Of course, that first charted last week. Avid Merian, the Bo Selector guy with his song Proper Crimbo, had odds of also 50 to one, as did Sir Cliff Richard with Santa's List, a number five hit last week. And Gary Jules with Mad World at 6-5, which I checked and I think is less than The Darkness, but again, odds, confusing. Katie Melua, 66-1 for the closest thing to crazy, and 100-1 for Alex Parks, maybe that's what it takes. So all of those songs in the running, but there's a reason that this is a very exciting chart, maybe the most exciting chart we've done on this show so far, and that's because there isn't just the battle for Christmas number one amongst all those people, but there are battles within battles this week. Obviously, there is the main battle for Christmas number one, but there's also the battle of the girl bands because Atomic Kitten and the Sugar Babes are releasing songs. Who, which one of those will do better? And then, of course, if any of us have seen Love Actually, and I'm sure even if you didn't want to see Love Actually, you've accidentally seen it in the 150 times it's been on ITV2 already this December. Of course, in the background of Love Actually, there was a battle for Christmas number one between Billy Mack, played by Bill Nye, and the band Blue, both of which actually have songs coming out this week. So art is imitating life there. And we will, as we go on, we can see what the results are of all of these chart battles. And not only that, but it is a genuine race for Christmas number one, dominated by Christmas songs. There are seven Christmas-themed singles being released this week. So we could have our first Christmas number one with Christmas themes since Saviour's Day 
by Cliff Richard in 1990, so ending a 13-year slump. All hugely exciting, so let's kick off this momentous week in the charts. Oh, I'm Samuel Spencer, by the way. I didn't think I was too excited to say that, but that is me. This is the four songs leading up to our first new entry. So at 40, Ja Rule with Clapback slash Reigns. Another double A side at 39, 50 50, and Lullaby by Lamar. You see, you got nothing else to hide. How come she told me she saw somebody by your side? Been a long time, you say you miss me. What gets round, you shouldn't be. Thirty-eight. He had six. Was it sixty-six to one odds of being Christmas number one? And he definitely hasn't made it. Noddy is at thirty-eight in his second week. That's down from twenty-nine. Seven, we have Real World by D-Side in its third week down from 25. I thought that that would be the death of another flop boy band, but D-Side does manage to have one more single, so a slight reprieve for them. It wouldn't be Christmassy to kill off a flop boy band. All of which leads us to, at 36, our first new entry, Can't Do Right for Doing Wrong by Erin Rocha. behind Erin Rusher's song here. She was a 16-year-old girl on work experience at a record label. They asked her to record vocals on what they were intending to be a demo track, which they were going to send to Nora Jones, and they liked Erin doing it so much that they released it as a single. It got picked up by BBC Radio 2, and there was a small push to make her the Christmas number one, which, as we can tell by the fact she's at 36, was not entirely successful. A website from the time said, being so early in her career, there's not a lot we can tell you right now, other than that she is 16 years old and was born in Poole. She's the baby in a family with six other children and is currently studying English literature, drama and psychology for her A-levels. Plans to be a masseur unless she makes music her goal. That piece, by the way, ends. Now at last, Erin has released her first debut album, Paper Wings, which is sure to be, I think it's supposed to be as big a hit as the single Can't Do Right For Doing Wrong. Keep an eye on this space and we'll try to keep you up to date as much as possible. As you can tell from the fact that hasn't been updated till 2003, there was unfortunately not much to update. The lack of success of this song means, unfortunately, it is the only song that 
Erin Rocher ever released. So that's good. There's nothing quite like starting this Christmas show by having a child's dreams dashed. Really gets you in the festive mood. She told Newsround at the time when they asked her, are you studying music? She said, no, I did that for GCSE, but I don't want to do it for A-level. It would be too difficult. I think she caused a curse on herself at that point. The gods of music being like, oh, it's too hard, is it? Well, it's going to be pretty hard for you to get into the top 10 then, babe. And so here she is at number 36 behind at 35, a 20 place drop in its second week for Ain't What You Do by Big Brothers. It's a competitive time on the chart, but I think that's a great song that deserves re-evaluation. Let's head out of those 30s and ever closer to that all-important top 10 this week. So at 34, You Don't Know My Name by Alicia Keys. That's in its second week, as is at 33, Love Profusion by Madonna. place drop from number 11 very much kind of in her flop era here but of course her next single is going to be hung up so don't count madonna out just yet 32 delvin 20 it's in its third week life for rent by dido to travel the world alone and live more simply i have no idea what's happened to that dream because there's really nothing left here to stop me. Basically, there was no one left on earth who had not bought the album, so who needs to buy the singles? At 31, in its sixth week, a former number one, Crash the Wedding by Busted. another former number one Be Faithful by Fat Man Scoop and Crooklyn Clan that's in its ninth week Be quiet All the chicken heads Be quiet All the chicken heads Be quiet Yeah baby Fat Man Scoop Be Faithful Sing along Come on since autumn feeling weirdly out of place there in winter talking about songs that don't give christmas at all our next new entry at 29 the g unit with stunt 101. 
might blow I'm finna drop that so I suggest you lay low But keep from Cashville, Tennessee Getting them Tennessee The unit there holding a very esteemed position in this chart Being the only people in this chart who have actually pushed my mum Listen back to a previous episode for that story Basically, I was in the Blue Peter studio in 2004, had a sneak around Top of the Pops, because of course, why wouldn't you? Saw 50 Cent with his G unit, got my mum to go up to him and ask for an autograph. She obviously did it too vigorously, because one member of the G unit pushed her out of the way. Which member of the G unit it was, though, I wish I knew. 50 Cent, the most famous member of the G unit, but it could have been Tony Yayo, Lloyd Banks, Young Buck, the game or kid kid well i say it could have been all of them it couldn't have been tony yeo because the thing about tony yeo is he was in prison for most of the beginning of the g unit's rise to power basically after 50 cent had a huge series of hits on his hands in the club a big hit in the uk 21 questions a us number one pimp also doing very well he also got to make an album with his group G Unit because as part of his deal he got to manage his own record label. Tony Yeo and only able to give two contributions to the G Unit album Beg for Mercy because he was in- incarcerated at this time. He was arrested on December the 31st, 2002 during a New Year's Eve party in Midtown Manhattan for first degree possession of a loaded firearm by a convicted felon. At that point, they discovered he had a conviction for drug possession and an outstanding warrant for a previous gun charge. He was then sentenced for bail jumping and spent a year in prison. He was paroled on January the 8th, 2004. However, hilariously, the next day, he was arrested for possessing a forged passport and then had to spend another month in prison, eventually being released in February 2004. This led to all sorts of practical considerations that you may not have thought of like for example he wasn't able to appear on the cover for the album beg for mercy by g unit which is why if you search it he is the guy whose face is drawn on the wall they say he made two appearances on this album doesn't seem to be entirely clear how he was able to record those vocals i assume they were recorded before he went to prison although i love the idea of him like you know singing them on a smuggled in phone that's you know was smuggled up someone's anus and then him recording it and having to send it via whatever 2003 limited technology there was and as such i do not believe he appears on this song stunt 101 stunt according to urban dictionary means to floss others say flex which means to show off your shit like cars jewelry clothes see how natural i am saying this stuff and show that you're getting money also stunt means to tell somebody you're going to do something and you end up not coming through you're a stunt you tell a girl you're going to take her on a date and you end up standing her up, blowing her off. You stunted on her. So now you know. G-Unit very much the D12 to 50 cents M&M, if that makes sense. The band of their friends that they're able to sign because they're hugely successful. Although G-Unit managed to have much less success than at D12. Their peak will be in March 2004 when they appear on the 50 cents song If I Can't. But as a solo artist their highest charting song would actually be this one and only got to 25 whereas of course d12 managed to have four uk top tens with purple pills my band how come and shit on you of course that beautiful ode to curling one out on someone's chest i can only assume of course the natural transition there will be speaking of a pile of shit here's x but i haven't looked at what is next yet so let's see if that's appropriate uh speaking of a big pile of shit at 28 here is eh, it kind of works. Cry Little Sister by Lost Brothers featuring G. Tom Mack, of which we know very little.
27, a 14 place drop. Some big drops this week for Nelly Furtado with Powerless, Say What You Want. It seems that she's powerless to prevent that song nosediving out of the top 40. he may have got the Christmas number one in the film Love Actually and he may have beaten Blue but in reality he is at number 26 and Blue have defeated Billy Mack with Christmas is all around a Christmas themed cover of Wet Wet Wet's Love Is All Around a number one hit for 15 weeks in May 1994 and beyond of course this is a little bit of meta writing from Richard Curtis the writer and director of Love Actually because Love Is All Around of course found fame from his film Four Weddings and a Funeral and that song even in itself by the way was a cover of a song by the band The Trogs I feel it in my fingers quite funny that it has made the top 40 at all because of course the plot of Love Actually, one of the I think approximately 786 plots in Love Actually is about how Bill Nye is a washed up rock star who hates every moment of recording this song, a song that he calls a huge festering turd. So if you believe in Father Christmas children like your Uncle Billy does, by my festering turd of a record. Now, of course, it wouldn't be the last time, wouldn't be the first time that the British record buying public has bought a huge festering turd and got it to number one. You only have to look at Where Is The Love by The Black Eyed Peas being the biggest selling song of 2003. But certainly this may be the first one that was actively marketed as a huge festering turd and a swathe the British record buying public was like, no, still gonna buy it. I mean, to its credit, actually, the thing about this song is it's actually quite funny in its attempt at being a terrible song. I think what makes it is the awkwardness of the lyrics, that bit that you just heard where he says, you know I love Christmas, I always will. Makes me laugh and also just that Bill Nye as a great actor plays it with the exact right amount of contempt that makes it very hilarious and we love Bill Nye here I have a story to share about one of my friends encounters with Bill Nye so they bumped into him in London's South Bank they were dressed up quite smartly he was dressed as I believe he usually does in a suit and tie so they made small talk. My friends joked they were going to a wedding and they had a bit with Bill Nye in which he said, oh yeah, no, I'm going to the same wedding and they made jokes about what that wedding would be like. So that's pretty good. That's a pretty good story within itself. But then they happened to meet him again in the street a few months later and he remembered meeting him the first time and they continued the joking about the wedding. So that he is definitely a class act. We love Bill Nye here. Although he is not loved as much as some songs on the Love Actually soundtrack. He has more than double the streams 
of I'll See It Through by Texas, which we talked about last week, but only 7 million streams on the official Love Actually soundtrack on Spotify compared to the most streamed song on that playlist, Wherever You Will Go by The Calling, which has just 605 million streams. By the way, the second lowest streams on this soundtrack beating even billy mac is too lost in you by the sugar babes with only five million streams which is not great for a song that actually has really endured it's clearly not doing it through the love actually soundtrack and exactly what position it has got on this week's chart we will find out a bit later of course in the film love actually there is a scene in which billy mac is asked about blue he sees a picture of them and he writes a speech bubble from one of them saying we have small penises so billy three weeks till christmas looks like the real competition is going to be blue yeah, I, I saw them on the show last week. They weren't very nice about my record. No, little scamps. <laughs> but very, very talented musicians. Yeah. Uh, Blue were asked about this by Enemy. Duncan James says they've never seen it, which I think is basically impossible to have done, but we'll believe him. And Anthony Costa, who, in case you've forgotten, is currently starring in Mamma Mia! The Party at the O2, so get your tickets now, says, Every Christmas you're bound to get a text about it. We were supposed to be in the film, but because we were touring at the time, there was a schedule clash. So they obviously used pictures instead. There was talk of us walking on as he's slagging us off and we were going to have a standoff. That would have been fun to do for sure. Sadly, that iconic moment of film history was lost for us. As I've said, though, it's Bill Nye that sells us this song and it almost was not going to be Bill Nye. Apparently, he was only given the job after several other people who Richard Curtis wanted to play it were unavailable. So then the casting director for the film asked Bill Nye to read for the role just for a rehearsal so they could kind of cast other roles around him but then was told months later much to his surprise that he had actually got the role. I like to imagine they probably asked like actual rock stars to do it would be my feeling like Sting or someone but he is here at number 26 with our first Christmas themed single of this Christmas themed top 40 but beaten in the charts at 25 another new entry with a Christmas theme, a festive slice, a festive slice, a M&S turkey feast sandwich, and a festive slice. If that clue was totally meaningless to you, this is I Love Christmas by Fast Food Rockers. watch blog said of this at the time shows over kids please go back to butlins the third single from the fast food rockers following the fast food song and say cheese smile please not even considered by anyone as a christmas contender so why did they bother as that might suggest this is the last ever single by the fast food rockers it's honestly i think it's amazing that they did this well and got three songs out of what was clearly not even a one joke premise like half a joke premise but we kind of we have to give them a place in pop history because they kind of are the last of the great novelty acts because novelty acts don't really work in streaming you know there are some exceptions because the point about a novelty act is you kind of buy the single as a joke because you think the idea of Mr. Blobby getting the Christmas number one is funny, which it is, but then you don't really listen to that song. You know, you probably at most listen to it a handful of times if you've got like a particularly obnoxious child. And that doesn't work in streaming because it's the songs that people listen to like a hundred times that do well. So it's really an end of an era and the fast food rockers are the last of that. Of course, you, c- you can still get charity novelty singles that will do really well, like the Lad Baby Five Circles of Hell that are the five 
lad baby Christmas number ones. But novelty acts that are trying to make a profit are no longer, alas. And that also means that we don't get another one of my classics. A, because we don't get B-sides. And B, because of what I've just talked about, we don't no longer get festive versions of novelty pop songs. Last week we had the Sleigh Bells ridden version of Cheeky Song Touch My Bum. And this week we have the festive version of the fast food song by the fast food rockers. Can I take your order, please? Okay, I said all of what I just said before listening to that song, and now I'm editing it together and I've heard the song. I cannot believe I was putting that under the same brush as Cheeky Song Touch My Bum, which is just sleigh bells over the original song. This song, they did new lyrics. I'm calling it now Fast Food Rockers Best Band of 2003. That is going straight to the top of my Christmas playlist. But as I've said, unfortunately the last song that we will get from the Fast Food Rockers, Fast Food Song, a number two hit, Say Cheese Smile Please, I believe got to number nine. And when their album flopped and this got to number 25, the Fast Food Rocking Dream was over. Although in July this year, according to Martin Rycroft, one of the three members of Fast Food Rockers, on his Instagram, the three fast food rockers had a reunion he said what an amazing day yesterday with these two we met 20 years ago when we got put together whenever we see each other it's like no time has passed so much fun love you both hashtag fast food rockers hashtag fast food song hashtag forever friends hashtag reunion hashtag catch up hashtag fun hashtag tv show hashtag music at fast food rockers official which i can't believe is a real instagram account that i'm going to follow as soon as I've done this podcast. Of course, Martin Rykoff, we mentioned before, when the fast food song came out, is now a professional dancer on Dancing with the Stars Middle East. But we know much less about the other two fast food rockers, Lucy and Raya. Lucy's internet footprint was last seen in a Nutsford Guardian article in November 2012, in which she was named one of the top five activity coordinators in the country for people with dementia. That was at the National Dementia Care Awards. And in this article, she did admit that sometimes she gets the residents of the care home to do the fast food song, which, as far as I'm concerned, is elder abuse. Rhea, the last time we heard of her, is from a modelling account in 2008, in which she reveals, I will be playing Snow White at Crescent Theatre in Peterborough this Christmas, and I'm so excited about it. So if there's any photographers around the area, please get in touch. And Rhea, or Raya, from Fast Food Rockers, if you're listening, or indeed if you saw her play Snow White at the Crescent Theatre in Peterborough, please get in touch at the 2000 chart show at gmail.com. So Fast Food Rockers there, our second Christmas-themed single, not able to break the top 20 in what is a very competitive week for the charts. Another huge drop this week, by the way, comes at number 24. All of these artists really flopping, down from 8 that's a quick maths 16 place drop in its third week for Gav Gates with Say It Isn't So. definitely on the way and he of course had four number ones of which this was not one only getting it to number four at 23 holding much more firm than madonna or nelly Furtado or gav gates turn me on by kevin little that's in its 10th week now from 18 but if you think you're gonna get away from me you better change your mind you're going home you're going home with me tonight let me hold you go caress my body 
two, racism against ginger people not stopping him getting a third week on the chart. You make me feel brand new by Simply Red. Can't when I need it a friend. in its second week down from nine that's a 12 place drop so all of these huge artists having a fall the voice within by christina aguilera However, we are not saying goodbye to Christina Aguilera just yet because the Smash Hits quiz special offers us a Are You Christina Crazy quiz. So for all you Aguilera superfans out there, let's play along. Insert mastermind music here. Of course, other quiz shows are available. Okay, your specialist subject is Christina Aguilera. Question one. What was Christina's first UK number one single? Was it A, Come On Over, B, Dirty, or C, Genie in a Bottle? Well, if you were listening last week and listening properly, you will know. Not like why you're in the gym or something. How dare you? How dare you try and improve yourself while doing this podcast? Disgusting. The answer is C, Genie in a Bottle, number one, I think in late 1999. Two, which rapper guests on Agas? Oh, that's good, actually. I think we're going to start calling it Agas. I like that. Which rapper guests on Agas anthem Dirty? Is it 50 Cent, DMX, or Redman? Or Redman? It is also C, Redman, or Redman. One of John and Yoko's yellow and red ones there. Listen to last week's episode for that. Three, when Christina posed on the front of Rolling Stone, which instrument covered her in speech marks modesty? So A, a flute. That's not going to hide much modesty, is it? B, drums, or C, a guitar. That is also see a guitar. How are you doing so far? Are you coming across as an adder's addict? <laughs> Thank you. Number four, which male star is Agus's UK tour buddy? Is it A, Justin Timberlake, B, Eminem, or C, Nick Carter? We've also talked about this a few times, so you should know that it is A, Justin Timberlake. They did a joint justified and stripped tour, which I'm sure was a lot of fun. If I wasn't 10 at the time and living in Britain, I'm sure that would have been great. Final question, number five, what is Christina's middle name? Is it A, Spandera, Christina Spandera Aguilera. There's a joke in there, I think, but I don't think I get it. Is it B, Maria, or is it C, Dirty? I think you can guess that it is, in fact, A, Spandera. No, it is not that. B, Maria. So, toss up your answers. If you got one or zero, you're a Christina cheat. You have a passing interest in Aggers, but you're really no expert, loser. Well, smash hits coming for you there. Two to four, you're Christina crazy. You have an average knowledge of Xtina, but you have more to learn before you can call yourself a stalker. And if you get all five, you are a Christina clone. Surely no one knows that much about Mazzaglera. Unless, of course, you are her. Put some clothes on. Lovely stuff there. It's not Christmas without a quiz, is it? So Christina, the voice within, at 21. And 20, in its fifth week, one of the biggest selling songs from the Love Actually soundtrack. And the second of three songs from the Love Actually soundtrack on this week's chart, Girls Aloud with Jump. That's its fifth week down from 12.
14 swing low by ub40 in its eighth week down from 17 that's the first time it has gone down for four weeks although it will reach its peak in the chart next week an 11 place drop everything is dropping like flies this week in its second week my immortal by evanescence this pain is just too real there's just too much that time cannot erase when you cry i wipe away all of your tears when you scream i fight away all of your fears By the way, I haven't mentioned this yet now. You may be wondering why this is coming out on Christmas Eve, a Sunday, when of course we usually come out on a Wednesday. I'm sure you're staying up at 0001 on a Wednesday to listen. Shout out to those of you who do, by the way, because I do look at the charts and there's always a small bump of people listening as soon as it comes out. I respect you in all you pop insomniacs out there. Well, the reason is... Basically, I fucked up at the beginning of this podcast. I'm going to have to come clean about it now because I totally misread the official singles chart website. If you spend as much time on that website as I do, every chart is labelled according to its week. So, for example, this week's chart is the 21st of December 2003 to the 27th of December 2003. And so what I thought that meant was that the songs begins on the 21st and then it's on the 27th when that week's number one is announced but in fact it is the complete opposite way around and actually it's on the 21st in which the number the number one is declared and then it is just number one for that entire week so basically it means that every chart we've been doing we've been doing on the last day that th- that chart is actually that week's chart if that makes sense which is fine in a usual week but it does mean that when you do the race for Christmas number one, if I'd followed my usual pattern, it would be coming out two days after Christmas, which seemed a bit of a wasted opportunity. And so for this one time only, we're coming out on a Sunday, although at some point, maybe when there's a slow week, we might skip forward a week just so we are better aligned with the appropriate weeks and so we don't have to do an emergency episode every Christmas. And if this has ruined your weekly routine of listening to the podcast on certain days, then I can only apologise. I may know some things about pop music, but most of the time I'm a complete moron, which is what happens when you have your brain is like 90% Javine and then 10% common sense walking and talking at the same time kind of skills. Anyway, so that's that explained. And at 17, a woman who was given 66 to 1 odds at the Christmas number one. In her first week, she got to number 10. Last week, she was at number 14. And this week, she's at number 17. This song got a lot of support on BBC Radio 2 around this time. But as Erin Rosher has shown, that basically means fuck all when Radio 1 has chosen to support something else. But this is, in its third week, The Closest Thing to Crazy by Katie Melua. How can I have got in so deep? Why did I fall in love with you? This is the closest thing to crazy I have ever been Feeling 22 Acting 17 now I know that there's a link between the two, being close to craziness and being close to you. At 16, one of the big chart success stories of 2003 and into 2004. So far, it's been following 
a normal route out of the chart, started its chart life at number 6, the next week went down to 8, then 10, 13, 22, but now it has made a surprise 6th place leap up the charts to number 16, and that leap will only keep going. It will get to number 13 next week before entering the top 10 two weeks later for the second time. It seems that as UB40 started dropping out of the chart, Outcast have taken their energy within its sixth week. Hey very weird to think that this song people are playing at Christmas it so much feels like song of the summer to me despite the fact it was released in November can't get over that it's like a false memory in my head you know I'm sure I've dashed many of your false memories while doing this podcast so I guess it's my turn at 15 another important entry into the Christmas themed songs of 2003 down from 10 in its second week cheeky girls with have a cheeky Christmas Another reason why the fast food rockers are calling it quits at this point. If they couldn't even beat the Cheeky Girls in their second week with their fourth single, then clearly Britain has chosen which novelty act it is going to support. However, Westlife at number 14 are supporting another woman, and that is a former number one in its fifth week, down from six, Mandy. Baby, oh Mandy, Another Christmas theme song here at number 13. We have Santa's List by Cliff Richard down from number 5 last week. The Chartwatch blog, which I've only just discovered, despite the fact that I follow the guy who does it on Twitter, it's a great resource if you haven't read it. They gave the following piece of trivia this week, which is exactly the kind of completely meaningless pop trivia that I absolutely love. They say Santa's List gave Cliff Richard a career first by becoming his only number five hit single ever. For most other acts, this would not be particularly significant, but of course, when you consider Cliff's tally of hit records is well into three figures and that he has had single speaker every other position between one and 18 over the past 48 years, it is a strange statistical quirk that none have ever peaked at number five until now. The fact that someone did that work, and this is Back in the day when you'd have to look at the virgin book of British hit singles, you couldn't just look it up, is very exciting to me. Exactly my kind of nerds. So this was the first time that Cliff Reacher peaked at number five, and indeed the last, although he will have three more top ten hits. Incredibly. He had his first UK Top 40 in 1958, and his last in 2009. Over 50 years of hits. Bears repeating. 14 number ones. 68 UK Top 10s. 124 UK Top 40s. 135 UK Top 75s. 1,181 weeks in the Top 75. That's nearly 20 years. Might even be over 20 years. You may not like a single one of those songs, 
but you have to appreciate the longevity of it all. So Cliff Richard at 13 this week, down from 5 last week in its second week. And at 12, our next new entry, just missing out of the top 10, Ultra Beat with Feeling Fine. That's good enough for me I'm on top Now I'm feeling Beat, of course, best known for their last single, Pretty Green Eyes, a number two hit that spent 23 weeks in the top 75. But unfortunately, they will never ever be, never ever be, never, never, never be in the top 10 again. Do you get it? Because that's how Pretty Green Eyes goes, doesn't it? Yes, indeed, it does. So, this song originally was released by the artist Unique in 1998 as a happy hardcore song. You stole me from my world and said that you'd be mine that's good enough for me cause I'm on top and now I'm feeling fine when it got to the dizzy heights of not charting so you can see why Ultra Beat thought that they could re-release it and do a bit better which to be fair they have but like I've said there is a special place in unoriginality hell for dance covers of dance songs if we ever do merchandise that's like on a tote bag I think so clearly Ultra Beat had one idea and then were swiftly running out I'm sure they had a meeting where they were like what about if we said like pretty blue eyes no it's too similar okay what about like nice red mouth okay that's quite no we can't let's just find an old song that no one remembers that didn't chart and then do that but clearly it's worked pretty well in a very busy week for the chart getting to number 12 and they will manage somehow to get three more top 40s one of which will actually be a duet with Darren Styles, who did the original version of this song Feeling Fine that will get to number 23 in July 2008 and their last entry on the official charts website is a song called Use Somebody. Haven't heard it yet, but I'm completely terrified and I'm almost certain it probably is going to be a happy hardcore version of the Kings of Leon song. You know that I could do somebody Oh yes it is good there's a reason that that song only got to number 100 no accounting for quality <laughs> speaking of which at 11 just missing out on the top 10 for the first time in their career actually blue featuring stevie wonder with sign sealed delivered i'm yours Here I am. song caused one of my favourite on-air gaffes, courtesy of Kat Dealey. When introducing this song, 
She said that Stevie Wonder would not be performing it with Blue on the show. But then she said that the famously blind singer would be, quote, probably watching CD UK at home. I'm going to guess, Kat, that he wasn't. I'm not surprised that you left Britain for America soon after that particular foot-in-mouth incident. Pretty embarrassing, but is it as embarrassing as the moment that Anthony from Blue shared with Top of the Pops magazine? He said, when I was about 12, I went for a part in the musical Oliver at the London Palladium and got down to the last 10. For my final audition, I had to sing Where Is Love. The song is quite high, and when I started singing, my voice broke. I was so embarrassed. Of course, Lee Ryan wouldn't have to worry about not being able to hit those high notes until he got to at least 50. But interesting that Blue are only at number 11 here. Very much them trying to pull off the same trick twice and the British public being like, no, sorry. This time last year, they got a number one single when they did a duet with Elton John doing Sorry Seems To Be The Hardest Word. But this time with Stevie Wonder not having the same success. But really it does speak to this being a very competitive week. We can also look at the fact that, boiler alert, the Sugar Babes are next at number 10. And that is with one of their biggest selling songs. So 11 feels like a failure, but not as bad as some of the failures that we have seen flop boy bands suffer over the last weeks and months. At this point, Blue have had three UK number ones. With Too Close, everyone's favourite song about accidentally coming in your pants. If You Come Back, everyone's favourite song about when you accidentally come on someone's back. That's not what that's about, but Too Close is actually about what I said it was. And of course, as I just said, Soy seems to be the hardest word, Blue featuring Elton John. Since then, they had number four hit with You Make Me Wanna in March. In November, they got to number two with Guilty. And they have three more top tens to come with Breathe Easy. I can't breathe easy. That's my impression of that. Bubbling in July 2004, and then Curtain Falls in number four in November 2004, bringing an end to the original run of Blue songs, although of course they would have a small comeback when they did the Eurovision song in May 2011. A few weeks ago when Blue were here with Guilty, we shared some of the rumours that they debunked in Top of the Pops. That was when we mentioned when Lee Ryan had to debunk the rumour that he pees in his bed to keep warm. Here's another rumour about Lee Ryan, a famously, shall we say, eccentric man. The Blue Boys were working in the studio and during a break, Lee picked out a pretty fan and whisked her into a chill-out room for some pool table hanky-panky. Little did Mr Ryan realise that his antics were viewed on CCTV by the entire studio staff. So that's the rumour. And the truth is, hey, shouldn't he be saving himself for his wedding night? Yes, indeedy. Yes, that's true, confessed Lee's PR. But it wasn't a fan. It happened with a girl he'd actually been seeing for a while. And no, it wasn't Liz Kitten. We will talk about Liz from Atomic Kitten's dating life in a second, by the way. I don't know if the staff watched them. I wasn't there. But Lee, didn't the balls get in the way? Another rumour here. The the lads are all set to go their separate ways. Anthony wants to be a TV presenter. Dunk wants to be able to finally come out as bi. No, sorry, it doesn't say that, actually. It says he wants to act. Simon wants to produce music. And Lee reckons he's been put on this earth to save someone's life, though he needs to brush up on those life-saving skills. The truth, apparently, is that tomorrow's papers are tomorrow's fish and chip rappers don't believe everything you read. No, 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 rants a blue bigwig. There are constant rumours the boys are going to split, and of course, they're going to at some point. Blue won't go on forever, but it's definitely not imminent. The band will even release a fourth album in 2004. But, of course, by this time next year, they will be no more, and that fourth album will be their last until the 2010s. Some more chart facts from the Chartwatch blog. Going to be a asset I'm sure I'm going to be returning to time and time again, that this is the first top 10 hit that Stevie Wonder has had in six years. And it also, of course, points out, as we've said, that Blue were able to buck the trend as predicted in Love Actually and beat Billy Mac in the charts, although not, of course, making it to Christmas number one. This song has a special play, in Stevie Wonder's heart by the way it was the first song that he produced on his own although 
quite why, if it had a special place in his heart, he agreed to do it with Blue. I don't know. Here's the problem. If somebody gets the chance to interview Stevie Wonder, which is, you know, a great thing. He's got a fascinating career over 50 years. He rarely does interviews. They're not going to waste time asking him about Blue, even though that would be my first question. So we don't know why he agreed to work with Blue. Maybe he was trying to get another number one single. At this point, he had had two. One with Ebony and Ivory, which was a duet with Paul McCartney. That was number one for three weeks, April 1982. And then I Just Called to Say I Love You was number one for six weeks from August 1984. Amazingly, despite being an absolute legend of music, one less UK number one than Blue. Should be mentioned also that the song features Angie Stone, whose vocals you heard at the beginning of our clip. Originally, fun fact, this was supposed to be Janet Jackson, but she was unable to commit due to scheduling commitments. And one last fact about this song to say, before we move on, mentioned without comment, in 2014, Irish singer Ronan Keating covered the song for the film Postman Pat the Movie, which I guess makes sense because he does post letters. That is Blue at number 11, and at 10, the most hun of all the Sugar Babe songs, the highest charting Love Actually song of this week, but losing the girl band chart battle to Atomic Kitten, Sugar Babes with Too Lost in You. I'm too lost in you, too lost in you. Oh, Will you whisper to me and I shiver inside? You undo me and move me in ways undefined. the most hun sugar babe song by the way after experiencing it being played at their o2 arena gig in autumn when certain songs were played you could tell that the gays were loving it like red dress when they did the one touch album medley there's a certain kind of gay cheer that you would get and then they went onto the little acoustic stage in the middle of the arena and started playing the first notes of two lost in you and there was just this ah which is how you know that the Huns are loving it. One thing I love about the Sugar Babes is they were never backward in coming forward, as the phrase goes. They were asked by Top of the Pops magazine, which celeb boys deserve to be turned into rats? I think they were doing an animal-themed interview. Or else that'd be a weird question to ask, wouldn't it? Keisha says, oh God, there is one particular person, but I don't want to say, I think he knows what it, who it is. To which the Top of the Pops journalist, to their credit, has done their research. They asked Keisha, is it true you were jealous when J-Rock from Big Brothers chatted up Lisa Mafia at this year's MOBO launch party? And Keisha said, oh well, you've guessed it. He was the boy I'd, I'd turn into a rat. I've spoken to Lisa and she's really sweet. We've laughed about it because he didn't chat her up. To be honest, even if he did, I'm really not interested in what he does anymore. We're no longer together. Wow, I didn't actually know before then. And we were talking about obviously Big Brothers earlier today and last week that J-Rock and Keisha were together. I don't want to pick sides here. As I've said, J-Rock has liked one of our Instagram posts, which as much as I love Keisha, she has not. But yeah, interesting love when there is drama within the pop stars. But none of this enough to get them any higher than number 10. But despite that, this is actually one of their biggest selling songs of all time. Official charts in their rundown of the most successful Sugar Babe singles put this at number three, selling 407,000 sales, putting it just behind two number ones, Push the Button and About You Now. One thing that I learned this week that I wrote in shock about on Twitter, I don't know how I didn't know this, obviously this song, very famous, it's a cover, and not only a cover, a cover of a French song called Quand J'ai Peur de Tout, or When I'm Afraid of Everything. Vive quand tout which 
which actually does make sense because I've always thought that the lyrics in English were a little bit kind of clunky. You know, the two lost in you, caught in you, like it doesn't really fit. Whereas if you say, baby, quand j'ai peur de tout, you know, that works much better. And that was a song originally performed by the French singer Patricia Cass with English lyrics added to the song by legendary songwriter Diane Warren. Unfortunately, best known on the internet in recent years for vaguely looking like Jelaine Maxwell, she is also a legendary songwriter. Among her credits, If I Could Turn Back Time by Cher, Because You Love Me, Celine Dion, I Don't Want to Miss Thing by Aerosmith, How Do I Live, Leanne Rhymes, There You'll Be, Faith Hill, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship, Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton, basically the queen of big power ballads. And let's not forget a 14-time Oscar nominee in Best Original Song. Though, Too Lost in You by Sugar Babe snubbed by the Oscars, I think, as deserving of Best Original Song as whatever they did do that year. Let's find out. Yeah, Into the West by, by Annie Lennox from Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Meh. Although, actually, I, I, I'm quite glad that song won an Oscar because at the V&A once they did a mini exhibition about Annie Lennox and it did have that Oscar in it. So it meant I actually got to see an Oscar, which was very exciting. In the official charts rundown of the most successful Sugar Babe songs, by the way, they say, when it comes to which Sugar Babe's ballad is the best, there are two primary contenders, Stronger and Too Lost in You. I have to admit, I am much more of a stronger person, although actually, not to be that guy, but my favourite Sugar Babe's ballad is New Year from the album One Touch. And really, of all the Sugar Babe songs, I have to say sorry this is one of my least favorite i even actually prefer when they basically ripped it off with follow me home a few years later but even if it is one of my least favorite sugar babe songs most sugar babe songs are better than most other pop songs and it's certainly much better than the song that beat it at number nine in its fourth week on the chart down from four shane ritchie with i'm your man think Shane Ritchie's version of Wham's I'm Your Man is rubbish but we have to give him some credit he did make a lot of money for children in need which is certainly more than I've ever done although I don't know all those two pounds I had to spend year upon year to wear non-uniform every children in need did probably tot up so you're welcome I guess Pudsey anyway another Christmas week top 10 for you now they beat their girl band compatriots in the chart but they didn't reach the top five at eight a new entry Atomic Kitten with Ladies Night. Around this time, Atomic Kitten had taken up karate. In a bid to include fighting moves in the dancey bits of their next arena tour, the girls got into martial arts through their tour manager, Carl, and are said to be moving from white to yellow belts. So don't mess. I still think, though, that Mutia could take all three of them at once. There was certainly, however, one person that Liz from Atomic Kitten definitely wanted to fight off at this point, and that was Kian from Westlife. The pair had dated, and then they ended up in a war of words in the press which is fascinating so i'm going to take you through the whole saga of it via news stories 
of the time. So this is from the mirror on February the 6th, 2003. So keen on Kian, Kitten Liz falls for Westlife Charmer. Atomic Kittens Liz McLaren and Westlife singer Kian Egan have opened their hearts to 3am about their new romance. We revealed last month how Liz 21 had become very close to the 22 year old Irish hunk. They seemed besotted with each other at London nightclub Click three weeks ago and Liz danced sexily in front of the blonde pop star. Despite firm denials from both sides at the time, pair have decided to do the decent thing and admit they are now a couple. Liz told 3am, Kian is really lovely, it's early days and we're both really happy, let's just wait and see what happens. Then Kian gave us some more information he said, and of course he is Irish, I met Liz four years ago when we did the smash hits tour with Atomic Kitten. We were friends for a long time. Shane and I had a party in Belfast together on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, sure, that was my Irish accent. Liz happened to be out there and came along. We didn't get together then, it was a bit later than that, but we talked to each other for ages. Now she has just come back from Asia where she was touring with the band, haven't planned anything for Valentine's Day yet, I will though. Also, here's a fascinating line. A close friend of Kian said the star is really impressed by Liz's high IQ and the fact that she's a member of Mensa. Go Liz from Atomic Kitten. Didn't know that about her. However, maybe she was smart enough to get rid pretty quickly because that was February the 6th and by February 18th, RTE, the Irish equivalent of, the, of BBC, were reporting that the pair had split up. Kian is said to be broken hearted after being given his marching orders by Liz. According to the Star newspaper, a source close to Liz said it was just a fling for her. She never intended things to get very serious between them. Then there was radio silence between Atomic Kitten and Westlife. And then in the mirror on September the 10th, Westlife star Ian gets his claws into Kitten X Love Liz. The singer said their fling was one of the biggest mistakes of his life, claiming she stalked him by phone. The 23 year old star reveals it was so bizarre and I'll never go back there. Liz is one strange cookie. He told Now Magazine, from the day we broke up, I never called her number in my life. And believe me, she's called mine. He added, it was splashed over the papers that I'd been pestering her and calling her when I was drunk, begging her to take me back. But it was quite the opposite. I was certainly not obsessed with her but Liz was not happy with this even in February 2004 so six months later she was still angry this is a story from contact music on the 1st of February 2004 20 year old 22 year old pop beauty was deeply offended at the time and is still furious with her, her boy band ex for passing the unnecessary remarks Liz says we went out for a little while and he was very nice he was very gentlemanly at the time but it was very annoying what he said afterwards I don't think that when two people have had a relationship together you should go commenting about it afterwards mm. and it certainly left a bad taste in her mouth in February 2006 she told the mirror that she would never date a celebrity again so Liz not doing well in the relationship stakes although she was doing much better in the chart getting this song to number eight they beat by one position the position that the original version of Ladies Night by Call and the Gang got to that got to number nine in November 1979 and this was their 11th top 10 single out of 12 releases they've had three number ones with Hole Again, Eternal Flame and The Tide Is High and they have two more top 10s in them Someone Like Me gets to number eight in April 2004 I think that's the first track from their greatest hits and then Cradle gets to number 10 in February 2005 and then unfortunately in July 2021 they got to number 14 with Southgate, you're the one, football's coming home again. But saying that sentence actually makes boils form in my mouth due to the amount of bile that it raises. So the less said about that, the better. So we'll leave Liz, poor heartbroken Liz, Natasha and Jenny at number eight and head on to number seven. So still to come, there are four more contenders for the Christmas number one still running. We have Bo Selectors, Proper Crimbo, The Pop Idols, Happy Xmas, War Is Over, Christmas Time, Don't Let The Bells End by The Darkness, and Mad World by Gary Jules, and who was this? whoever the singer was. Oh no, Michael Andrews is the musician, and then Gary Jules is the singer for Mad World. They are all, however, in the top five, so let's get to them and move away from number seven, which 
is where in its fifth week shut up by the black eyed peas is that's down from three and a former number one is at number six leave right now by will young saying do i love you boo i love you too i miss you a lot i miss you even more that's why i flew you out when we was on tour but then something got out of hand you start yelling when i would break plans even though i had legitimate reasons you know i have to make them dividends how could you trust a private eyes girl that's why you don't believe my lies and Four new entries in the top five plus last week's number one changes by Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne. At number five, there is a song that for a while was the bookie's favourite to be Christmas number one, but that was, however, before anyone actually heard the, what did Billy Mack call his song? Festering turd of a single, because at number five, it is the pop idols with Happy Xmas, War Is Over. Contestants of American Idol had released a single called God Bless the USA, which did well in the Billboard charts. So obviously always jumping on the hottest bandwagon, Simon Cow there, trying to get a Christmas number one with the final 12 contestants of Pop Idol Season 2. So according to Chartwatch, even a week before this chart, they were the clear market leaders in the betting with only The Darkness and Gary Jules trailing them. But then the midweek sales figures started coming out on Tuesday, which showed the idols were at number five, which then meant they were basically out of the Christmas number one race by midweek. And at that point, by the way, Christmas Time Don't Let the Bells End had a 4,000 copy lead on Mad World. So we'll see in a few entries whether it managed to maintain that. So you would think that the pop idols you know 12 young enthusiastic singers would do nothing to offend anyone apart from obviously singing the racially problematic line the yellow and red ones but they did manage to piss off cnd and the band massive attack who argued that when we were embroiled in the middle of you guessed it one more time we're mentioning it this year the iraq war that it was inappropriate to release a song called war is over so the chairperson of the campaign for nuclear disarmament who's called kate hudson although i think that's a different kate hudson from the actress from almost famous and Katy perry's real name said the war in iraq was a tragic immoral and illegal act it's not something to be taken lightly nor something to be exploited this move is both insensitive and offensive to those who have lost friends and family in the war there are some serious dangers facing the world we need to take them seriously and confront them not take advantage of them meanwhile 3d from massive attack said this is a new low it is utterly repugnant as a choice of song by everyone right now u.s planes bombed and killed nine children in afghanistan last week u.s troop deaths since may have topped 200 and there have been thousands of iraqi civilian casualties since bush declared the war to be over this country alongside the u.s is responsible this is an insult to the families of the dead and maimed be fair most of the christmas songs that Simon Cowell would be responsible for are an insult to the families of the dead and maimed just because they're insulting to everyone with ears. In case you're wondering who is on the Pop Idol single, by the way, any Pop Idol superfans out there, that was Leon, Kirsty, Andy, Brian, Kim, another Andy, Roxanne, Suzanne, Chris, and then Sam and Mark, of course, soon to be number one 
singles chart artist in their own right and children presenting legends and of course the eventual winner Michelle McManus her single will be released in a few weeks by the way so we will see how well that does also to mention that second Andy is Andy Scott Lee of course the brother of Lisa so really no one's a winner there the single was kind of a flop most of those people didn't go on to have careers but at least according to Top of the Pops magazine Michelle was able to lose three stone during the run of pop idol which i wish maybe <laughs> i wish i had a pop idol so that's at number five always humiliating when you release a serious song and it's beaten by a novelty track and so it is with the pop idols because at number four another new entry for proper crimbo by bo selector which means it's a three horse race between kelly and ozzy osbourne the darkness and michael andrews and gary jules but first let's remind ourselves of how the song proper crimbo went A who's who of 2003 era who's appeared in the video for Pop Crimbo by Bo Selector. Let me just read you out all of them. But I'll be warned, this might Proust style send you into a flashback of 2003 so strong that you never return. So be warned. So this video included the 3AM girls, the journalists on the mirror who gave got all of those blue and atomic kitten scoops earlier. Four puffs and a piano, the ex Jonathan Ross house band, which meant that we had the lovely sight of for many years Jonathan Ross saying the word puff on BBC One. Simon Amstel, Ada Depatan the wheelchair basketball player, Richard Bacon, Chris Bisson from Coronation Street, Melanie Black from All Saints, Edith Bowman, Mel B, Adam Buxton, Jimmy Carr, Joe Cornish, Terry Dwyer, no idea who that is. Oh, she was from Hollyoaks. Jenny Falconer, the TV presenter. Kirsty Gallagher, Bob Geldof, Jade Goody, David Gray, Christine Hamilton, Harvey from So Solid Crew, Katie Hill, the ex-Blue Peter presenter, Kerry Katona, John Leslie, Chris Moyles, Dermot O'Leary, Denise Van Alton, Gavin Rossdale, really? Okay. Ben Shepard, David Snedden, Kate Thornton, Holly Valance, and Matthew Wright. With all of those celebrities involved, you may think, this song has got to be for charity, right? And I guess it does, but I can find no evidence of that. However, there is definitely one sign that this was a charity single, and that is that, as I said, Bob Geldof was involved. And I don't know if you know this, but if you, in the dead of night, light a candle, take it into the bathroom, and say, charity single campaign three times in the mirror, then Bob Geldof will appear. You'll think it's the ghost of Christmas past due to his grey pallor, but it will, in fact, be Bob Geldof. Here's, by the way, what Bob Geldof said about being involved in this single. You know, next to uh, Phil Spector's probably the greatest Christmas song ever written, which is why I wanted to be on it, obviously. I think he picked up a lot from me, and uh, it'll probably, you know, I, I hope I helped his career by, by you know, coming along today and just showing him how, how, how pros sort of work, you know. But um, the man himself is uh, a disgrace, really. So this is actually we're not the only top 40 song that Lee Francis would have as a performer in this in his bow selector role of Avid Marion, the celeb stalker superfan who famously keeps Craig from Big Brother in his wardrobe. In 2004, he will try and repeat the success of Proper, Proper Crimbo with his cover of I Got You Babe, which is him singing with Davina McCall and Patsy Kensett. And then he tries to do a single as Keith Lemon, his new character, who is, I was going to say less funny, but the, it's a pretty low bar. That song only got to number 51 in 2013, which demonstrates exactly what I was saying about 
not being able to do a novelty single in the streaming era. And lest we forget, the reason that we don't talk about Bo Selector anymore is that in June 2020, after an agreement between Channel 4 and Lee Francis, the show was taken down from all four following backlash over its frequent use of blackface. And there is much blackface in this video with Lee Francis playing such characters as Mel B., and Trisha Goddard. Mel B, by the way, appears alongside her Bo Selector doppelganger in the video, seems to be having a great time. I am the lucky likey, apparently, and he's the real <laughs> Melanie B. <laughs> she looks good, though, doesn't she? Blue, <laughs> just like me. Well, I think I scrubbed up quite well, but I think he was just absolutely gorgeous. Far more gorgeous than, than I could ever be. But others have been less keen. Tr Trisha Goddard has called her portrayal on the show racially over the top and said she was trying to avoid Lee Francis at events. And of course, Craig David as well has called it racist and bullying. Fortunate as Lee Francis playing Craig David is the main star pretty much of the video. But noticeably, Craig David missing from the list of celebrities who were taking part. So whilst at this time, Craig David was pretending that he found it funny, clearly not that funny. But hey, 2003, a different time in which a video featuring blackface can not only exist, but can get to number four in the charts, but it cannot beat in its second week, changes by Ozzy and Kelly Osbourne at number three. I love her so. leaves us with the two real horses of the Christmas race in the midweek Christmas time don't let the bells end by the darkness had the lead but then a flurry of weekend sales made this week's Christmas number one the last great Christmas chart battle had as its winner Michael Andrews featuring Gary Jules with Mad World. However, I will let Justin Hawkins himself take you through what happened. These are all excerpts from his excellent podcast, Justin Hawkins Rise Again. If you want a podcast that's about 2003 era music from the perspective of someone who was actually there living it, I cannot re recommend it more. 2003, we had an amazing year. That's when our first record came out. Went to numero one. Um, actually, not immediately. I think it was underneath... Uh, Beyonce. <laughs> Not a terrible place to be, as I used to jape at the time. And then the record company said to us, Yeah, darkness, you guys have had a lovely year, haven't you? Uh, what do you want to do next? And we said, Christmas song. We expected them to roll about the place in gales of laughter, but um, they actually said, well, yeah, okay. Got a phone call on the Wednesday, and it was, Yeah, Justin Hawkins from Darkness, guess what? Your Christmas single is number one in the midweek charts. Get on a plane, get back here, do some promos which is Greek for promo. Um, so I got on a plane, went back to England, and then I did some begrudging interviews that really tinged with the bitterness of having to truncate a well-earned vacation. Um, and I think because of that bitterness, Gary Jules's single overtook us. So it's impossible to be upset with him. And also, I saw him in... Um, saw him in an airport once. I think we were queuing up to get on the same flight. Maybe we were playing at the same festival the, the summer afterwards and um, he was just lovely and I think he might have even apologised to me I don't know how sincere he was when he did that but it was really nice of him to say Christmas time just let them bring in peace bells end, ring peace and 
Yeah, we had children's choir singing Bell End and Ringpiece on top of the pops. I mean, we gave it our best shot and it was trumped by an extraordinary cover of a brilliant song. Just wasn't as Christmassy as ours, I suppose. I mean, if I had one criticism, it's not that Christmassy. Here is what Enemy said about the darkness. Cool is dead and the darkness are feasting on its corpse. Bare pigeon chest fluttering, hair plasters like soggy straw over his face. Justin Hawkins pants up to the microphone. It goes on to say, the darkness understand the very British art of good camp. To have fun when you're being serious, to be serious about fun. Certainly, they're having a lot more fun than Gary Jules and Michael Andrews. Among the fans of The Darkness were Simon Cow. He was asked to rate Bands of 2003. He gave The Darkness four stars. He said they have their X Factor. Hmm, interesting. Simon Cow and the X Factor. That's going to lead nowhere. I really like their campness and I think they're a breath of fresh air to the industry. The lead singer does look odd though. Then Christmas time, don't let the bells end. Of course, as I only just realised recently, earlier this year, a pun on the phrase bell end, but... There's another sexual pun in the chorus. So Christmas time, don't let the bells end. Bell end. Christmas time, just let them ring in peace, which apparently is a reference to ring peace, which I believe is old slang for an arsehole. So very funny. Nothing like getting kids to say bell end and ring pieces there. Where did they get inspiration from this song about bell ends and ring pieces, by the way? It could be from this little nugget that Dan Hawkins, Justin's brother and guitarist in the darkness said about recording this album he said halfway through the recording justin couldn't sing a note in the studio without being completely naked but a number two a worthy place for a band that everyone really thought were going places chart watch for example said make no mistake they will have topped the charts before 2004 is out that seemed like a safe bet at the time but it would not pay off they would release one song in 2004 which got to number five and then it would only have two more top 10 singles and one more top 40 so although they would never get a number one they did get very close here according to the wikipedia they had first week sales of 222,561 and sold just 5,000 copies less than Mad World. So anyone out there who didn't buy it, it's your fault. The song would go on to sell over 385,000 copies over the entire Christmas period. Welcome to the podcast, the 968th number one and the last number one of 2003, Michael Andrews, featuring Gary Jules with Mad World, selling 227,547 copies, making it the most copies a number one has sold in a single week since the 22nd of March, when Gav Gates' Spirit in the Sky sold 273,508. In fact, it is the second highest selling week of the year for a number one. And I'm sure with the darkness just 5,000 copies behind must have been the biggest selling singles week of the entire year. So dramatic that even the Wikipedia for the 2003 British music charts gets in on the drama. It says Darkness's Christmas time Don't Let the Bells End was also anticipated to take the top spot. However, in the week leading up to Christmas, the most unexpected thing happened. The... Wikipedia writing getting overexcited there, which I love. So Christmas number one, despite the film Donnie Darko actually coming out a whole year before this, of course the song, this version of Mad World plays over the closing credits, but it was a flop at the time, but it's since over the year become a cult classic selling thousands of copies on DVD. Any 80s music fans out there will of course know that Mad World is a cover of the song 
by the band Tears for Fears. They got to number three in late 1982. I personally much prefer that version, but then I'm a sucker for a synthesizer. So I said that BBC Radio 2 play may have not been enough to get Katie Melua and whoever that girl was at the beginning. What was her name? Erin Rosher. That Radio 2 support didn't do it, but apparently it was the Radio 2 support that eventually got Mad World to defeat Christmas Time Don't Let the Bells End. Roland Orzabal, the lead of Tears for Fears, says that he came up with the song when he lived above a pizza restaurant in Bath and he could look out onto the centre of the city that inspired him to write the song. He said, not that Bath is very mad, I should have called it Bourgeois World. This raises a point of contention for me, which I would deliver to you in the style of Mad World. I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad that you meet tourists and they say, oh, well, Sam, hi, where are you from? And you say, Bristol. And they're like, oh, we're going near Bristol. And you're like, oh, which part of Bristol are you going to? They're like, no, no, we're going to Bath. And you think to yourself, why would you go to Bath, which has got like, the spa, which is pretty good, to be honest, but then nothing. I mean, the costume museum's quite nice as well, but basically nothing. It's not even that nice. And then they won't go to Bristol, which is actually cool. Mad world. So Michael Andrews, a film composer, writing this very brooding, very depressing song, but he's actually now much better known for com- for writing soundtracks for comedy films. Among the films he has done in recent years, the soundtracks for were Bridesmaids, Bad Teacher, The Heat, Daddy's Home, Dirty Grandpa, Daddy's Home 2, The King of Staten Island, and one of my favourite films of 2023, You Hurt My Feelings. And to be honest, they hurt my feelings by getting to number one, Over the Darkness, with this dour song. Not only was this song a year old because it had been on the Donnie Darko soundtrack, but it actually was first recorded with Michael Andrews and Gary Jules in 1998 when it appeared on the Gary Jules album, Greetings from the Side. So this is a five-year-old song making number one. The British public's love for a sad, depressing ballad won out over their desire to have campy fun. And isn't that always the way? Because it's not like they gave any amount of a shit about Gary Jules. He would try to have a follow-up with the song Broke Window, which gets all the way to number 83 in April 2004. Whereas Michael Andrew is that extremely rare thing a genuine one-hit wonder that has a number one single and no other credits on the top 40, which I actually kind of respect. So as you can see, it's being released here in the last week of the year, but it still manages to be the fourth biggest selling song of the year, just behind Where Is The Love by Black Eyed Peas, Spirit In The Sky by Gareth Gates, and The Ignition Remix by R. Kelly. It also will go on to be the 29th biggest selling song of 2004, because it will keep selling in the weeks to come, and the 53rd biggest selling song of the entire decade. On the 2004 end of year chart, by the way, it's Wedged between Dragon Star Dente by Ozone, a song I can't wait to talk about, and Against All Odds by Steve Brookstein, which of course is the song that will be the beginning of the end for the Christmas number one race. Because yes, last week I did a retraction where I said sorry for saying where the, the X Factor came out in 2004, but now I need to retract my retraction because in fact it did and Steve Brookstein gets to number one the week before Christmas. So Mad World at the 53rd biggest selling song of 2004, but to find out what the biggest selling song of 2004 is, you'll have to keep listening next year when we head into 2004, a very good year for music i hope but this is our last i think this is our last episode of the year but we are not quite done with 2003 because the week after christmas basically no one releases anything and so there are literally no new entries in the top 40 next week and so we could take a week off but we thought that was a great opportunity to do something i've been threatening to do for a while my own top 40 best songs of 2003 i've spent what nearly over six months at this point complaining about the taste of record buying people into 2003 and now it's time to show you my own bad taste as I choose my favourite songs. Not just that we've talked about on this podcast but also that were released through January and to May 
2003. So very exciting. Can't wait for you to judge me when I put the cheeky girls' take your shoes off higher than crazy in love. But it's going to be very fun. A great way to end the year. And then we head into 2004. Despite this episode coming out on Christmas Eve, we will be back to our regular schedule, which means that the Best Songs 2003 will be coming not this Wednesday, but on the 3rd of January 2024. So look forward to that. And thank you so much for seven months of fun. It's been great to do this. Building an audience has been amazing. Last week, actually yesterday when I'm recording this, yet again, we had our most listened to day of all time, which is incredible. Welcome to all the new people who have been brought in by a famous top 40 hope you keep listening as we celebrate the music of 2004 please if you've enjoyed what you've listened to rate like review and subscribe it helps people find the podcast and let's 2003 and soon to be 2004 live on as a great time for music follow us on twitter at 2000 chart show be interesting to see whether that service lasts until the end of 2024 follow us on instagram at the 2000 chart show email us at the 2000 chart show at gmail.com and enjoy the christmas number one from 20 years ago michael andrews and gary jules's mad world no tomorrow and i find it kind of funny i find it kind of sad the dreams in which i'm dying are the best i've ever had i find it hard to tell you i find it hard to take when people run in circles it's a very very mad